Heather and I have a lot of difficult conversations where, you know, she's even kind of challenging me sometimes. Like, why are you continuing to, you know, maybe speak on this? Things are shifting even from her point of view, you know, looking at me and like making sure that I'm doing it in a healthy way, making sure that I'm not doing it to feed something inside of me that that could be unhealthy. And that's like where the marriage conversation comes in because she knows me better than anybody else. And so to the world, I can paint myself as this like justice driven half black guy. And she's like, well, make sure that Carlos, that like, I've seen some part of your soul get fed by compliments of other people that we need to make sure it's, you know, keeping in check. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's cool. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on. Did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're what a visionary. I see your I'm connection a- here. <laughs> Love or work. Hey, before we get to the interview, we just wanted to say thank you to all the people that have purchased our book. The book is out in stores everywhere on Amazon, in your local place, wherever you buy books. Love or work. Is it possible to change the world? Stay in love and raise a healthy family. If you're listening to this podcast, we want to encourage you. If you want to go deeper, if you want to learn what we have learned from interviewing over 100 couples, surveying over 1,500 people across the nation, all of them working couples, what does it take to make all this possible? We share it all in our book, Love or Work, and you can get it wherever books are sold. Please keep supporting this podcast by supporting us by getting your book. Our hope is that it encourages you and your relationship, so go check it out. Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. And we are in studio today bringing you the best of the best of the best of the best. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm just... Oh, today we've got a really, really great podcast. I think people are going to feel inspired and encouraged. Lots of great, like, creative parenting stuff going on in this yeah, one. Loved it. Um, and I think it's, it's going to be great. Are we ready to hear about who we're talking to? I don't know if they're ready. (laughs) Today we have Carlos and Heather Whitaker. They have been married for 20 years. Carlos has written multiple books. One is called Moment Maker, Kill the Spider, and Enter Wild. This is most recent. He's a speaker and author, and uh, he, he is amazing at it. He inspires me every time I listen to him. So if you need somebody, book him. Yeah. Those virtual speaking gigs, book him. Yeah. So what did we learn today? What are three things we should be listening for? Three things. Number one, the birthday string, a tradition in the Whitaker family. Number two, uh, touch the airplane. And number three, 21 days in the hospital. Ooh, it's going to be good, you guys. So here we go. Here's Carlos and Heather Whitaker. I normally just tell the story without her, but this is going to be fascinating to see it's, how she... It's better when we... Yeah, it's way better when we tell this together, so I'm glad we're... You know, there's always two sides to the story. Yeah, yeah. Always, so here, here. always. I am in Fresno, California, and had just moved there because I'd been expelled from college. So moved in with my parents and invited some of my friends from Atlanta to come out and hang out with me because I, you know, I missed them. So they came out and we decided we were going to go skiing up at Sierra Summit. So me and my friend Ramu and Eric go and get my eighth grade ski bit. Like I, I went up in like, you know, my, my closet. In fact, and we, This we, was like what? 1996, 97. So it's on the cusp of like 
snowboarding is booming. Nobody under 30 was skiing anymore or wearing bibs. Everything was that baggy skater, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We look definitely like we don't know what we're doing, but we show up there. And then there's like this hot girl working the ski lift. And we're all flirting with her. And uh, literally all three of us were like, okay, which one of us is going to get her, right? Well, and I did this thing where I would try to remember everyone's name when they would come down because I would check tickets. So when they would come down to my lift, I because I was on more of an advanced lift, so it was kind of the same people over and over. And I'd be like, Bob, Jim, and, you know, like go through, come on through. And it just made my time go faster. And my bosses loved it. Well, apparently, yeah. she, I didn't remember. So she didn't remember my name, but she didn't remember Ramu. I mean, let's give it to him, dude. Ramu's got a name you can remember. So she remembers Ramu every time. And so, you know, whatever. We're flirting with her. She doesn't remember that. But we're... We're, we're, I don't remember we're, him. We're, we're giggling throughout the day, like, man, that hot California snowboard chick, you know, whatever. Whatever. We leave the mountain. Never, I mean, I never thought I'd see anyone again from that mountain. Well, my friends leave back to Atlanta. And I don't know, a couple weeks later, I remember I was, it may have been at church. I saw the cute, hot snowboard chick. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, it's so destiny. Course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, I, I, uh, I don't know, I, I beat or paged that, that back then. Yeah. I don't know how it was, but, but, but I moved. And I'm like, yo, call me back, right? And then so he calls me and I'm like, dude, the girl from the mountain. Then I saw her at Fresno City College like a couple weeks later. I kept seeing her, right? And, I don't and again, she, I'm just seeing her from afar. So then finally, long story short, uh, my friend John, who I was friends with in Fresno was like, and again, I was really new to Fresno. He's, he's like, hey man, like I'm going to go have coffee with my girlfriend, but we're really having a hard time right now. We're fighting a lot. Um, so we both decided let's each bring a friend and that way we won't fight. And we're like, okay, whatever. So see where it's going. Yeah. I show up and the friend is hurt. And so of course I like, I freak out because I'm like, he's five years older than me. Four and a half. Uh, I love it when it goes like this. I am 18 and I had a boyfriend all through high school. So like, I didn't have any like boyfriend, girlfriend game. Whereas. I turned it on. I, I, like, I saw her and I turned it on. I like, uh, I'm putting all the moves on, you know, and first of all, I'm like, Hey, like you work at Sierra summit, you go to people's church, you go to Fresno and city I'm college. So whatever, we get back in the car and John's like, what'd you think? And I was like, honestly, she was a bleep, you know, because she really was like, like she didn't give me the Whoa! time. Of day. Oh, so, so unfortunately, I have resting face, okay? Yeah, yeah, she's she has resting bitch face. If you've not seen the YouTube video, you got to go see what it is. That's um, perfect. But you know, and so, um, so I'm like, yeah, dude, she she didn't laugh at my jokes, whatever, whatever. So, long story longer, a couple weeks later, I'm working at a bookstore in the music department, and remember those things, by the way. And um, <laughs> uh, my manager comes up and and he's like, hey, someone's on the some someone named Heather's on the phone asking for you. She wants guitar lessons. This is so weird. And I was like. Because I, and it's so weird living in Nashville, thinking that I had never heard of anybody playing guitar, you know, or in the idea of a guitar lesson. It just wasn't in my head, as weird as that sounds. And um, I, my dad had died when I was 16, so a couple years before, and I got this guitar of his. And I thought, oh, a girl playing guitar, that's awesome and cool. I want to do that. I didn't know that I wasn't really musically talented, but... Well, anyway, yeah, so I end up getting a call, and I'm like, Heather... And then so she's like, yeah, my name's Heather. I want guitar lessons. I was like, sure. I don't know how the word got out that I give guitar lessons, whoever this Heather person was. So then I called my friend John. I'm like, do you know a girl named Heather? Like a girl named Heather like, is asking for guitar lessons, Heather Barcume. And he's like, dude, that's Heather from the coffee shop. And I was like, oh, yeah. 
yes, I won. I did it. And uh, and so sure enough, we start guitar lessons. I, I may, She may have had two guitar lessons before I wrote her love song. And here we are. Oh, and before wow. we wrote our love song. Wrote her a love song. <laughs> Sealed the deal. Impressive. This is amazing. Here it is, guys. There you go. It was a little longer than just like we met in college. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So now you've been together how long and you have... I think three kids, right? Yeah. yeah. Married 20 years, together 23, three kids. 18, mm-hmm. 16, 14. Yep. Wow. Ooh, you're in the teenage years. Really well, the best. Oh, oh wow. yeah. That's good. We're going to dig into that for sure. Well, but I want to yeah. go backwards before we get there because uh, Carlos wrote a book talking a lot. This was like, I don't know how many years ago, eight, 10 years ago, talking about raising kids and a family and this idea of a moment maker. So can you explain that? Uh, I don't you, I don't know if you've talked about that in recent years, actually, but. Yeah, no, actually I haven't, um, which is, it's cool to, you know, to think about. It, it was, it was a book really about, uh, I mean, really all the stories were our family stories. Like yeah. they, they were all stories of raising our kids and, and really creating moments. I divided it into three sections, creating moments, receiving moments and rescuing moments. And, you know, what, just what does it really look like for us to be intentional? Heather is very intentional with relationships and she always has been. And she brought that into, you know, our family. And so we've got tons and tons of, you know, traditions and things that we love to do that now it's really been cool to see, like, say, for instance, the birthday string. That's something that we started when the kids were, how old were they? Well, it's when we moved to Atlanta because Joy Phoenix, you guys know Billy yeah, and Joy? Yeah, we had them on the podcast, yeah. Oh, yeah. So she was the one when we moved, we moved into their basement when Carlos got a job at North Point and um, she did it. And so we, that was. Yeah, I guess. So they were like, how long ago they were three, yeah. three and four. And, you know, they're 18 and, and 16 and 14 now. And we still do it. We wake up on on the morning of your birthday. You wake up and we you tie a string from their bedpost all around the house and you litter presents. They have to follow the string and go all around. The house. But like those little things we still do now. Right. Yeah. Like, and so it's something that, we all look forward to those are those are those creative moments. To the moments. point where yeah. we last year or the year before he had a significant event on say on his birthday, and we don't travel on the kid's birthday, but this one was like unless they're paying some. You yeah, know, you and know, then, so yeah. we find <laughs> her and said, "Hey, we'll finish." Because she was saving for a ticket, and we're like, "We'll finish paying for that, and you can come with us." So she came with us when we got home. The other two had put a birthday string, so when she walked oh. in, she had. A- all around and I'm like I didn't know that they did it nobody told me you know so I'm like (laughs) oh so sweet give me a couple other of your kind of traditions you guys do because this is I think that like just hearing that it's like that's inspiring people want to hear how to create new experiences for their family yeah I think the biggest thing is not to make something difficult right so like it is something that is uh you pick the same experience so here's something fun Carlos we travel all the time and Carlos started to touch the outside of the airplane every, 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 time, every time we go in. And now everyone does it. And if we don't, like, we freak out. Like, we don't touch, you know, like, we literally just touch the outside of it. And it doesn't, what yeah. does that do? Nothing except for it unites us in a second of, hey, this is kind of our little fun thing. Like, tag, you know. Yeah, that, that's not something that, like, we're, meaningful. we're doing on a certain day. Like, it's just, no, like, even now when the kids travel by themselves, they, they make sure they tap the, the outside of the airplane. You yeah. know, like, we do things like when they were, when they were little. Um, we started making, um, for some random reason, we're like, let's make homemade pasta the night before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, for like no reason whatsoever that we just tried it when it was the worst pasta ever. I was going to say, because that is a little difficult. Yeah. 
<laughs> Santa was tiny. We, we were, you know, like everything. She, her hands were messy and gross. The sauce was delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the pasta was a very good. So it's taken years of perfecting the pasta. But now, we again, we really look forward to it. Okay. This, this last Christmas, they were mortified because we weren't going to be able to do it because we were traveling mm-hmm. or something. Like, literally, like, we wanted to go to California. And the question we got from the kids was, when are we, when are we doing the pasta? Like, are we going yeah. to do the pasta at grandma and grandpa's house? Like, so again, these are just those moments that if you're intentional, it. it really bleeds into the fabric of your family. And it's, it's just been fun. I love it. So travel, I'm hearing over and over, is huge for y'all, which I love because Jeff and I are big, big travelers. Um, What has been something that has surprised you when you have brought your kids along and into the joy of traveling that I know you both already have prior to kids that you were like, no, these kids are coming along. They're they're, going to enjoy this definitely have that answer. And it's, um, we've, even when we had zero dollars in the bank, we traveled. That was like 20 minutes up the road to a new cute little town and explore that. We've always just been explorers. So um, that's ingrained in our family and what we do. However, what I did not prepare for was by teaching my kids to explore that they would love it. And, and then leave you? Want- yes! <laughs> yep. Plan trips without me. And I'm like, um, am I not invited? They're like, well, no, mom. And I'm like, wait, yeah. I did not like that shocked me. I was wow. not prepared for that. Like they are like, I literally drop all of them and off at the airport curbside and they're like, bye. And it's because they know what to do. They know how to get there. They know the culture of airplanes and stuff like that. So I'm not worried about that. Yep. And they literally travel across the world to go visit friends, go like, to Hawaii, go to like they go everywhere and they don't We're talking like thirteen and twelve. Like we're not they talking don't about take like us. you know yeah. we're not talking about our eighteen year old. We're talking, yeah. <laughs> you know, my eighteen year old's like, Yeah, we're gonna go to London next summer, you know, and I'm like, Oh, can I come? And she's like, No. <laughs> but yet if I say, Hey, we're gonna take a trip next summer, she'd be like, Oh good, where are we going? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah. That's really what shocked me. So That's awesome. That's awesome. What have you learned the most about your kids and traveling? I I think that what what we learned the most, maybe we didn't know it when we learned it. And I just look back now and realize it more than anything is just that, you know, I think I think parents sometimes make too big of a deal about traveling with kids. I, I, I just feel like so many times parents are scared to do it. They're, um, they, they, they're like, oh, it's just going to be crazy. Well, look, your life's crazy already, you know? And I promise you that even in the midst of like all of the craziness that consists of traveling with toddlers, say, um, you're going to look back at those things and you're not going to remem- remember the craziness. What you're going to remember is, is the moments. And so in the midst of it, uh, I, get, I think I really learned that I'm so grateful that we did it. I'm so grateful that we did it uh, when we didn't have enough money, uh, when we, you know, cut other things in order to take a trip. Um, here or there, and that that we really, I mean, because we like we don't we we drive really beat up cars. We don't live in a really our big house. All of our money for our entire season of marriage and parenting, all of it has really gone to travel. All of it, and so, gosh, our, just the memories that our family has now um, are are things that I, I tell you when I wanted that Jeep in two thousand and eight. Um, I, I, I promise you that the memories I have from the trips we took that year, instead of driving that, I'm still driving my 2009 minivan, uh, but the, the, the memories that we made by traveling. So I, again, like 
any parents that are listening to this right now, even, you know, if you're thinking like, okay, well maybe in four years we'll get, no, like do, do, it, do it now. Like do it now. Don't wait till the kids are older. Do it now. It'll be chaos. Yes. But I promise you it's going to be worth it. And I think the, the bigger picture is like them experiencing different cultures, different ways of life, different, like just broadening, opening up their minds to yeah. the whole world out there opposed to just like, and, and those, yeah, doing the exact same thing, going to the exact same vacation or, you know, which I know people love and do, which is great. I think there is value in doing traditional things, but like, and yourself a little bit it just opens yeah. it opens the world to you and that is probably what we're most proud of and thankful for it's yeah. memories and ingraining that in the kids i love it well knowing you guys for a lot of years um i know there's been seasons that have been super filled with joy and other seasons <laughs> that have been awful i'll use your word that you just said <laughs> there's like awful. yeah i mean so that i know there's listeners right now that might be in an awful season you know, yeah. I'm curious, how, how, what advice do you guys have that you could encourage people or what, what, what got you guys through these? What brought you out? Yeah. What brought you out of yeah. it? Well, you know, I, you know, I think that as, as the kind of like awful inducer, so we'll, we'll call we'll call that, that, that me. Um, so, you know, say, say I mean, we have, we've, we've been through seasons and again, there are seasons. That means that there'll be more and they'll, you know, that it's even, even like no matter how good things get, no matter, it may not be even it, through decisions that you're making yourself, other people, but you're going to walk through hard, hard seasons. And, um, you know, I just think that, that truth is going to be the thing that always is going to accelerate towards healing. Um, and and that, that's, that's been the case for us. And a lot of times truth is painful, uh, but honestly, that, that is going to be the thing that I, I think accelerates people towards healing. And, you know, I don't think that there's any any magic tips? Definitely, our faith has played a large role mm-hmm. in how uh, you have handled, um, you know, have, have handled a lot of the trauma that has been brought into our, our marriage. So I'm going to let you, you know, lean in a little bit. Yeah, I know that this is a, a broad podcast, but for me, uh, really understanding in my faith the the one who creates the darkness. So, like the enemy, my faith really wasn't talked about so much uh, for a long part of my face. So the wrestle between good and evil, um, like obviously there was the bad guy, right? So child mm-hmm. molest, things like that. But like not understanding that his work in, in everyday life and bringing darkness in everyday life. Um, once I once I kind of learned that and began maturing and learning to hear from God and walk um, just with Holy Spirit and his guidance and counseling like that. I mean, that was game changer for me. So, um, yeah, there's just, yeah, I would love to say counseling. I would love to say, um, you know, intense therapy, things like that. But honestly for us and me, that's really the only answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, and I did, I, I went through you know a lot of therapy. Um, I went to, I went to a lot, I mean, like intensives, I went away, did all the things to really heal myself. And and I would say that after all the therapy, all that stuff is like helpful. It is. It really it really is. It was helpful in our marriage. A lot of tools, and it probably got me to about sixty percent uh, healing uh, per se. Like our marriage, sixty percent better. But it's like I don't think that that marriages were meant to exist at sixty percent. Like I just don't. I don't think that that we we were really meant Which it to. It was fine. Like yeah, we were fine. getting along. Yeah. We were you know raising our kids. It was good. But that inner healing, that heart's that like heart healing, that's the piece that took it from, you know, 60% 
to a hundred percent. And, um, and that, that's hard work. That's not work that, you know, is really easy. Um, you're, you're, you, you really have to face, um, a lot of, a, a lot of agreements with lies that you made. You really have to, you know, place your trust in the one that can help you break those agreements. Uh, and again, for us, that one, that one is God. Um, and, and yeah, so that's really for us, the thing that got us through it. You know, uh, we are big advocates of telling people to, um, you know, I was, I was a big advocate telling people to go find a therapist, but again, like you just aren't going to find your true healing in a therapist chair. It's just not going to happen. It will give you tools. And I do think for thousands of people, like they don't have anybody to talk to. They don't have, um, any idea what even is our normal. So I think a lot of times people can um, get focused in their own bubble. So for us, like healing is our bubble. So it seems so normal to us. Yeah. Whereas when you talk to somebody else and you're, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with a family member and she was like, I can't believe you and your friends talk about that. Cause I was just re, you know, like, um, recanting a story that I had with me and my friends to this family member. And she was just floored that like, yeah. we were so open and vulnerable and talked about those kind of things. And so in that case, I, I definitely do think, you know, counseling is a, it's a step, it's a step, yeah. but for us, that full abundance came, um, yeah. only for our day. Hmm. Wow. That's good. I don't think people have really talked about it in that sense so much with that faith part that is so important, you know, we hear a lot about the tools and the counseling and I think y- y'all are taking it to another level. Yeah. Like- yeah. Well, you know, and, and again, um, what, what I love is I, I would say that my audience in the last years has, has really, um, and when I say audience, like that, that follows me on my Instagram platforms or read my books or whatever it may be, uh, has really broadened out to, to, to a lot of people that have different faiths than I do. Uh, yeah. A lot of people that don't believe in the same, you know, God I do. And a lot of people that don't even believe in God. And um, what, what I'm finding though is, is there is, there is still this, this unique, um, not, well, it's, it's just one line that is connecting everybody and everybody wants full healing. Like everybody wants, um, everybody can realize when they're only at 60%, whether it be, uh, you know, a behavioral issue that they're trying to find healing through, whether it be their marriage that they're trying to find healing with, you know, I don't think anybody is really comfortable uh, and deep down, just sitting at 60%, you know? And, and again, like, I've, I feel like we have been able to, and I have been able to have conversations about faith and healing, deep heart healing issues with people in a safe way to where, you know, they don't feel like I'm, you know, megaphone, Bible preacher guy in the corner of the street, you know, because they, they're actually just seeing it. Like, like, they're just kind of like, wow, you know, like the healing that's happening in you, I may not believe what you're, you know, what you believe, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to read into it. And so, you know, my books are blatantly Christian books. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm having a lot of blatantly not Christians read my books because they're, they're just, they're looking for that hundred percent. They're, they're looking for that. And I'm not saying that I've got it, but I'm saying that I've, uh, that I can, I can give it to you, but I'm saying that I, I, I have found it. And mm-hmm. so therefore I just think people are, are looking for that. And we're, you know, we're, we're never going to be apologetic about where we have found our, our healing. So, so I'm curious, like you have a bunch of high schoolers right now and there's a lot of social things happening right now in the world. And I have a feel, I don't know all your kids at this age, you know, I knew them much younger. When they were babies. Young, but I have a, knowing the two of you, I have a feeling they all have opinions, right? <laughs> like, and I'm curious how you guys are unpacking the things happening in society right now with your kids. Like, what does that look like? How is that, how is that happening? 
what does that look like? You know, there, um, I, I mean, I, honestly, like we don't have a lot of like societal deep issue talks like in, in our house. I, I guess we, we do not necessarily like pop culture kind of, Kind of One right now is just walking out. She's trying to sneak out and she's videotaping us because she's <laughs> like, what is happening in our kitchen? <laughs> Hi, you can walk by. You know, she's <laughs> like, mom's on a podcast? What's going on? <laughs> mom, yeah, mom what are you doing? <laughs> you don't do this. Yeah. Because what time is it? 10.30. That's the time that we... They wake up, right? Yeah. Um, You know, but I would definitely say I navigate it by allowing them to bring it up, you know? Uh, you know, I probably hear more conversations from my 14 year old just about uh, current issues, you know, like because he, he watches a lot of YouTube with me. He watches, you know, he's listening to a lot of things I'm listening to. So he obviously probably has a lot of the same point of view that I do. But to hear him actually, you know, have conversations about, you know, that they shouldn't have done that to that guy just because he's black. You know, they, they shouldn't have. And to start to hear my 14 year old begin to have opinions and um, want to explore justice uh, in a way that I never, ever, ever did when I was 14 years old um, is, I, you know, it, it's really cool. It's cool to see that. You, my my 18-year-old's voting in a very first election uh, this year, you know? So, like, yeah. you, last night it was like, it was like, so, Hala, baby, like, are you are you sure you're registered to vote? Like, we've got to, like, <laughs> like, how can we make sure? Like, we got, that's one more, one more for the tribe, man. Like, <laughs> like let's, you know, let, let's, uh, let's do this. But, um, you know, I've had some conversations with her even just about, Listen, you don't have to you don't have to believe everything that your dad believes, you know, when it comes to kind of social issues just because I believe it. Uh, and and honestly, like I am seeing a little bit of stretching of maybe some viewpoints that that I, I may not necessarily 100 percent agree with. But it's cool to watch your kids develop into adults and to watch them, you know, um, and, and I'm sure I say it's cool. I know it'll be difficult when when I, when I finally butt up against something that maybe. Uh, a little bit deeper impact in my soul than, you know, something that we're butting up against now. But I would say that we haven't really run across like any like viewpoints that, that we have, you know, disagreed vehemently with. So I can definitely though see like Carlos in your kind of feed and your following and what you've been talking a lot about lately. I mean, I feel like you've kind of made a big turn. Like, I don't know what lit the fire maybe besides what's happening with, um, you know, people of color in our country. And if that's what really like lit you up or like what, what has kind of made this turn? I mean, you're, you're on fire right now. Yeah. I, I would, I would definitely say that when a couple things happened, when, when Ahmaud Arbery, when that happened, um, you know, everyone's in a pandemic, everyone's, you know, like I, I already was like talking about coronavirus in a way that was upsetting a lot of my, I would say, um, the majority of my kind of conservative audience that follows me. Um, you know, my, my audience for a long time was built on, you know, white, middle-class, evangelical, conservative. I mean, that's, those are the churches that I speak in. Yeah, That's who's following me. That's who bought my CDs back in 2010 when I was a, you know, when I was touring with CCM, like, like that, 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 that's who it was. And then suddenly, um, I began to vocalize some things. My mom got coronavirus and I began to um, had, have some harder conversations when she got sick. That, it was at the very beginning. Yeah, it was right, right at the very beginning. It was like in March, my mom got COVID. And this was like, she couldn't get a test. She couldn't get a... And I just remember like, like seeing and having a lot of difficult conversations in my feed, but hopefully doing it in a way that, that was pretty honoring and grace-filled to those that I was having conversations with. And, and that was a, a, a moment for me where I, where I thought, you know, 
I've always like, maybe when I was unhealthy, I was an agitator for the sake of agitation. Uh, but now I feel like um, I, I will agitate not for the sake of agitation uh, and not even agitate for agitation's sake, but, um, but really have hard conversations in a way that people that may not agree with my point of view um, can go on a journey. And, and so it started with COVID and then Ahmad happened. And then I just remember the, the moment for me was on Facebook when I saw like a really close friend of mine, really close friend of mine, defending the guys that, um, that like, like he, in my feed, he, he was defending the guys that killed him. Yeah. And, and I remember thinking to myself, like, do I need to send him my DNA test so that he sees the African that, that is inside of me? Like, does he, he, not, and I realized all of a sudden that my closest of close friends did not recognize that I was black. Right. And it became super personal. It became, it became super personal. And so like my closest of close friends, and that's actually no fault of theirs because I actually w- never really identified as black. Um, even though I'm half black, I, my dad, when we were raised in Atlanta, when we moved to Atlanta, I'll never forget my dad telling me because my dad's a black Panamanian. And he looked at me and he said, you are Mexican. You, you need to know that when we live in Atlanta, the school you go to, like he purposely made sure my black father to tell me I was Mexican so that I would not identify as black because he knew that if I identified as black, what that would bring me in 19, in the 1980s living in Atlanta. And so, so even for me, the identity of being black is, is something that's new, right? Like this is a new thing for me. And so because it's new, there's a lot of passion behind it. Um, and I'm able to see now that, that a lot of my audience has, has trusted me for a long time. I've built a very, there's a long runway of trust with them. Um, but it got really uncomfortable for them when Carlos became like black guy Carlos. And so, some, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, like they don't know what to do with it. Um, I didn't know he was black. What's happening? I didn't know he was black. What's happening? And so that, that also lit a fire in me to say, well, like they, they trust me enough to stick around through the hard conversations. And uh, I feel like I can, um, I feel like because I have a relationship with them, um, I don't want to, uh, it doesn't mean I'm not going to have hard conversations, but I, I definitely want to make sure that I maintain that relationship so that they stick around for these hard conversations. And I don't think it's always going to be about race, right? Like, I, I don't think sure. that's going to be, but I do feel like, like for such a time as this, this is the conversation that I get to have. And, and I've now kind of made it, uh, made a dis- deciding, there's been a deciding moment for me with my public platform, at least, to always press into whatever the difficult thing is going to be um, in that moment and do it in a way um, and, you know, I, I've seen the platform increase. I've seen all kinds, because people are, are searching for, um, searching for answers from somebody that's not going to make them feel stupid. And, and yeah, so that, that I, I would say that that's maybe where that fire is born. Heather and I have a lot of difficult conversations where, you know, she's even kind of challenging me sometimes. Like, why are you continuing to, you know, maybe speak on this? Things are shifting even from her point of view, you know, looking at me and like making sure that I'm doing it in a healthy way, making sure that I'm not, doing it to feed something inside of me that, that could be unhealthy. And that's like where the marriage conversation comes in because mm-hmm. she knows me better than anybody else. And so to the world, I can paint myself as this like justice driven half black guy. And she's like, well, make sure that Carlos, that like, yeah, I've seen some part of your soul get fed by compliments of other people that mm-hmm. I, we need to make sure it's, you know, keeping in check. So uh, that's probably a lot longer of a answer than you wanted, but that's kind of where we are. Well, it actually, it's a, it's a great answer. I'm thankful you shared all that. Heather, I actually, the follow-up to that for me is kind of, uh, it's probably personal to you. I mean, 
Carlos is a personality. I mean, he he he's a he's lo- he he's great at being in front of people. He loves stating his opinion. He and he's good at it. You know, he he's a big personality. I think you have a huge voice in Carlos's life. So if you're if there's someone in that relationship right now and they they're they need to say like Carlos even saying I wrote down like when I'm making sure that I'm in a healthy place and making sure that I'm actually stating things in the what I really believe. There's all these things. You're behind the scenes. Um, yeah. How do you approach that with your partner? Yeah, uh, there's hard conversations, you know, and I think um, I think because he has been so public, if you will, even though like what whatever that means, you know, right. just even on stage at a local church. Like um, I've seen what outside influences do to him and just, and that is great because he has a gift to make people feel loved, even if they don't know him and make people feel connected. He's able to diffuse things like that, which is just a talent I don't have. And so I think there is a unique gift upon his life. Um, And yet also like, I think there's a specific, um, uh, I'm trying to use broad words, but like a specific direction that I think in his heart, he wants to go. And sometimes when something like now he could be going down that road and sometimes he takes a detour, whereas like he can go down that road, for example, like he's on the freeway, he's driving through Atlanta. So say this racial reconciliation is driving through Atlanta, but he's going to New York, right? So like as in his life, as he's driving through Atlanta, yes, that's where he's at. Is he going to be there forever? I don't think so. Um, I don't think that this race thing is his platform. He is, this isn't his um, ending um, platform, but I think as he travels, as we all do in this season through it, he has this ability to speak and to, um, and to give life and understanding to people in, in everyday terms, you know, and I think, um, he is safe. He is, he has this ability to, to use his words that an average person can understand what he's talking about. And he's not fighting. He doesn't have that, like, fighting spirit that oftentimes you hear people um, have when they're talking about a certain topic. And so I think that is uh, a gift, but yet he's not, he's not staying here. He's continuing to move. So I think as long as his eyes are on that New York, you know, where, where he's ending, um, I think that whatever city we're driving through per se, like, like, great, he's going to thrive there. But when he takes the exit and kind of camps there, I, that's when I say, Hey, what's, What's going on? Mm-hmm. All right. I want to switch gears to another kind of really hard moment y'all had in your lives recently. I know that your daughter got really sick for a while and, you know, I'm in medicine. This is what I do every day. And so for me, I've seen a lot of parents and a lot of families, um, especially like if kids get cancer or things like that, really I mean, it's like the percentage of marriages staying together when kids have really hard health issues is like, like, like 90 percentages of those marriages fall apart, you know? Tell us about that experience that you had with her in the hospital and what happened and then like how you two have stuck it through and, and, and really like, it almost seems like binded you closer. 
Yeah, so our A17, then now 18 year old daughter, um, started complaining of chest pains last um, October. And just, you know, it was very quick, like, well, my, it hurts to breathe today, you know, okay, you know, and then she moved on throughout her day. Um, we went on a trip to New York and it just kind of exploded there. And she was going to bed early, waking up in the middle of the night. And because we were in the same room, all sleeping, you know, in the hotel room. Like I could hear her crying. I could hear her all night long. So it just really, you know, just escalated so quickly. And we had been talking to doctors and they're like, you know, like, look for these things. If these things happen, go to the ER. If not, you know, wait until you get home. So we did. We literally landed, went straight to urgent care, a couple day process to finally um, get her to the hospital and um, to the ER one night because she just couldn't breathe and they were on it. And x-rays, MRIs, all those things. And they came in and said that, um, you know, it's just pneumonia, you know, 20 minutes later, they came in and they're like, uh, the radiologist looked at it and, um, we're assigning you to the oncology team. We think it's lymphoma. Yeah. Um, and so that lasted for 24 hours where they were like lymphoma, lymphoma, lymphoma. But the problem was the mass that they saw, cause they saw a mass in her chest area. They didn't know how to do a biopsy because it was so close. They didn't know if the lung team or the heart team was going to go in. So that kind of put this extension on um, a prognosis because it uh, they had to decide which team was going to go in. So um, that next day, they kept just kind of pausing, 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 uh, delaying the biopsy. Delaying the biopsy, and then, but I mean, we went in there and they're like, "We're doing radiation." We're literally, know, they're like, "Chemo is like, going to start tomorrow." Yeah, like they're it was, like, "We're going to." It was gonna... go time. Um, so they were, they were the the oncology team was certain that this was. Yeah, lymphoma, we were on the oncology you know? ward, like we were in there, um, and then and then and then they came in like around six o'clock, maybe that that evening. The whole team, so the whole team walks in. It's like eight doctors, and I'm like, "Oh God!" You know, like like you're just like <laughs> so scary. <laughs> And then, and then they like started like it was Halloween. It was Halloween, and so they're like, "What was everyone go around and say what your favorite costume was?" And I'm sitting here going like, "Like <laughs> you're I know joking," that. and you're like, "Just tell me." And, and I know that we're and so anyway. Then they they just said again. This was after 24 hours of lymphoma. They're like, "Well, you know, looking at the scans. Um, sorry, it took so long. We, you know, we just I just we see air inside of the mass, and I've never seen air inside of a cancerous mass before, and so." Uh, we, we just want to let you know that we, we, we now think this, we're leaning towards this being an infection as opposed to, and of course, like I crumbled to the floor. I'm like sobbing, your greatest news ever. Uh, but, but that was the first but, day. But the funny part about that when you're talking about marriage is I didn't believe them. Not that I didn't believe them, but I had just been on the roller coaster of just, you know, like just pneumonia, then cancer, then, you know, that I'm like, oh, I, I can't do this up and down. So when you can verify or when this, mass goes away, you can verify that it's not cancer. I'm good. Like then, then we'll talk. But, but he was like, she's good. She's free. Yeah. Well, I, mean, like, I, I was like, discarded. yeah. And so, you know, the, but then began really the hard journey of watching your, uh, watching your, your firstborn in the most pain you've ever seen any, anyone in, to be honest with you, yeah. uh, any human I've ever seen in for weeks, you know, and, and, uh, then the antibiotics aren't working. And then uh, they think it's one thing, but then maybe, and then they're, and they they're like, maybe it is cancer again. Let's do some more tests, you know? And so, you know, for us, uh, that season, th those 21 days for our entire family, honestly, um, it was grueling. It was traumatic, but it also, I think, uh, revealed in us 
Um, it revealed in our whole family. Uh, our found it did. It revealed our foundation, and and we weren't shook. So Halo wasn't shook. I wasn't shook. I, I miss. This is Mr. Anxiety. Like I was not in any way, shape, or form. I'm not Mr. Anxiety. First of all, I don't claim that. But I was not. I was not shook. <laughs> There were no physical manifestations of anxiety. I was, I was headstrong. Heather, was, and we had moments of being shook, obviously. But all of our friends, Losiah, everyone, all of our foundations were so strong. And um, you know, here we are now, coming up, getting to a year mm-hmm. from from when that happened. And you know, there's there's moments of where where we see in in all of us impacts of the trauma that happened in the hospital yeah. are, are now she's, starting to rear. She's not 100% yet. So yeah. Yeah, so she's, we're still dealing with. We're still dealing with, with, okay, like um, the, the mass went away. It was diagnosed as histoplasmosis, but what else maybe was there? You know, and so we're, we're having to deal with things. But I, I guess, you know, to answer your question about us. us, you know, I just think that we'd, we've done so much work prior to the trauma. We've done so much work um, healing individually with inner healing. You know, I, I did this thing called Heart Sync with a man named John here in in Nashville. This is actually in my in my newest book. I, the whole middle section is about my heart sync healing that happened and how I was really trying to get through my anxiety and past my anxiety and how I was fully healed from it. Like none of this would have happened in the hospital had all of that healing not actually taken place. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think the marriages that you see fall apart are marriages that haven't worked through. Uh, and gotten through individualized healing. I'm not talking about marriage, marriage, yeah, marriage counseling. Huge. It's individual, healthy individuals being yeah. married together. That's, I think, my number one thing as far as like what makes a healthy marriage is having two healthy people. Yeah, hmm. and there will always be one person that's more healthy than the other. Uh, you know, it'll ebb, it'll ebb and flow. Um, but you know, as much as I think people need to go to couples therapy, I'm like, listen, you just need to go to therapy yourself. Like, you know, you just need to go to inner healing things yourself. Like get yourself healthy, get freedom in yourself. And when two people are healed and free, um, I, I think you can handle storms like that. Mm. We are going to end with our last question, which is the question we ask every couple we interview. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family. Oh yeah, I think so. I, I definitely think so. I think it takes work, a lot of work. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be handed to you, but if you're in for the job, then for sure. Yeah, and again, I feel like maybe some people miss their moment by thinking that maybe they're the ones that have to change the world. When honestly, like I've gotten to this new phase of parenting where I'm thinking, gosh, it's like I know I'm doing good things, but if I can just raise these kids, like these are the ones that are really going to have a lot more impact than me. You know, I, I think a lot of parents put too much pressure on their shoulders to raise perfect kids, like like yeah. to raise to raise like mistake-free kids and good kids. People say all the time, like, oh, we're, we're trying to raise like productive members of, functioning members of society. I'm like, no, what a horrible, what a, what a horrible way to think about parenting. No, like all we're trying to do is to give them tools to, to when they are, when they do finally get out there and they do make horrible mistakes, when they do, you know, that they have this, the tools to uh, to heal and and have the tools to find freedom and I feel like if if more families are raising kids like that then yes talk about changing the world like yeah. that's where it's going to happen. Learning how to fail and not win in everything too is huge. I think so many people get paralyzed the first time they do something that doesn't look like Pinterest and I think like no like learn from that. What what why did it fail? What did you know? What did you do wrong? How, you know, and trying to have those conversations with your kids or with Carlos like 
and allowing your kids to fail. I think that's where a big thing is so many parents step in before that failure is really felt, right? Because they're like, protect, you know? We definitely have had, you know, this no shame, no, you know, like when they do fail, just really actually almost um, giving victory in in their acknowledgement of the failure opposed to shaming the failure. Yeah, you know? I yeah, that. I absolutely. That. And, and also one thing, you know, we're, we're at year 20 and I, I just feel like, you know, a lot of a lot of couples can get into this danger zone of, OK, like we've this is just who we're going to be like we're, we're year 20. This is who we're going to be until you're 40. Uh, and it just doesn't have to be like it. Like there, there can be constant healing continue to, to happen and you can definitely continue to evolve in your marriage uh, and, and in your love. And so, you know, I think staying in love um, is it, it's, it takes work. Uh, and so d- don't give up, you know, when you get comfortable. So I, love I, th- it. I think uh, when you guys are just sharing about failure and all this stuff, I just kept thinking one of the things I have always loved about the mm-hmm. two of you is how honest and open and vulnerable you live. And I actually believe that it causes other people to be more vulnerable and honest and open. And I think it's a beautiful way that you guys do your life. And I have a feeling it's going to transcend into your children exponentially. So thanks for being that example to us. That's awesome. Thanks for having us. And now it's time for the breakdown. It was so good. I got some good stuff in there. You know, every time I say it's time for the breakdown, you go, man, this was good. It's kind of like a thing you do. Oh, I didn't even know it. There's two things. Do you I? Do. There's I two need things to go you back and take a listen. On, on when you're recording. There's two things. Oh, boy. You do that. The second thing you do is, I agree 100%. 100%. What? That's a phrase. Oh, my. That's a that's a affirming phrase you use. I'm looking at our producer, Matt. He is affirming. Oh, no. He said 100%. I'm going to try to not do any of those things during this breakdown. 100. Nope. I didn't say it. <laughs> I didn't say it. What do you got to break down for us? I really liked the quote that Carlos said about truth accelerating healing. Hmm. I think it's really important. I think truth, you can say in a lot of different ways. Like you can say like your inner truth and knowing yourself and knowing that those parts of you, I think you can say truth in the sense of no secrets between your and your partner and being super honest. And then I can hear, you know, truth in like the spiritual sense too, with, you know, what they were kind of talking about their faith. And so I think in whatever way that is, valuable and like meaningful to you in that truth sense. I think it's, I I just agree with that. Like going into that healing, you need to have that in all those ways. Yeah, that's good. Truth be told. <laughs> see what I did there? I do. Truth be told. Uh, I wasn't, I've never thought about something they brought up, which was how they've taught their kids to travel. You know, they've, traveled with their kids oh, since yeah. their infants. We've done the same thing. And then the reality that all of a sudden they started traveling without them. And leaving. No, no. Not all, okay. No, that is not okay. <laughs> Jada, Nico, someday you're going to listen to this. You need to know. You can't be traveling without us. You stay with us forever. Yeah. I get, just thinking <laughs> about it, I'm a little jealous. Like, I'm like, <laughs> this kind of reminds me of the time you went to Italy and Switzerland without me. Oh my goodness. You got to bring that up. Yeah. It was a wonderful experience and I thank you for it. For you. Let's move on. Yeah. 
just kind of brought me a little sadness. Like, I actually, I know that's going to happen. You're just us. sad because you missed out. And now you're thinking no, no, no. about missing out on traveling with your kids. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I love traveling <laughs> with my kids. It's fun. All right. I also really liked um, just kind of what they were sharing about the acknowledgement of failure and actually like putting that as a priority in their family that they almost like give all this permission for them to do that. And they praise them, their kids for acknowledging their failure and talking about it rather than shaming them. Ooh, that was good. Yeah. And just this urban legend, this not truth, which is that you're going to raise perfect kids. No, Hmm. you're going to raise kids that hopefully make good decisions someday, but they're going to fail. And our role as parents is to give them the tools to work through those moments, right? Mm -hmm. That was kind of what they were sharing about. It's like, yeah, I I need to think about, it'd be interesting for you and I to kind of take some time and go, what are the tools we want to make sure our kids know before they have left the home, left Mm -hmm. our house? Mm -hmm. Um, How to launch them, yeah. yeah, How to launch them really well and just build into them. Because after that, we're going to talk to them when they want to talk to us, basically. Exactly, yeah. Well, you guys, this was another great episode of Lover Work, but make sure you uh, follow Carlos and Heather Whitaker. Um, look up his books, Moment Maker, Kill the Spider, and his newest called Enter Wild. And uh, check them out. He's a great follow on Instagram. Yeah, and he is still an Atlanta fan, even though he lives in Nashville. So we, we'll give him that. Born and raised. Born yeah. and raised in Atlanta. He's an Atlanta fan. So we'll we'll still claim him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's cool. He can be a fan. And move to the second best city in the, the South. Southeast. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. This is another episode of Love, Love or, or Work. Work. This episode was recorded by our favorite, Matt Owen, for Soul Graffiti Productions.